Today is the third in a series of sermons that I've been doing on spiritual vitality and what makes for spiritual vitality. The first Sunday we looked at the letter A. We looked at acceptance or God's grace and how that makes everything possible. And that's the basis for our spiritual vitality in life. Then a couple of weeks ago we looked at the letter B. We talked about balance. We talked about how important it is for us to have spiritual balance in our lives. To have periods when we can get away and focus upon God and get our energies recharged from God. Today, I want to talk about one that perhaps we don't really consider as being a uh, support for spiritual vitality, but it's communication. Communication. And you'll recall that our scripture reading is James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Let's join together in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 1878, the first telephone company came into existence called the District Telephone Company of New Haven. It had 21 subscribers in Connecticut, four of whom worked for the phone company. 140 years later, there are between 9 and 10 billion cell phones in the world. Phones have come a long way. Communication has come a long way, as you saw in the video, technologically. But has it come a long way relationally? You know, communication is so important to our personal relationships. We know that in terms of business. We know that in terms of our personal life. To maintain friendships, for meaningful marriages, for helping our kids along. Communication is so critical when marriages struggle, when our teenagers are having a hard time, when we're stressed and distressed. Communication is often at the heart of it. Communication is an important component for spiritual vitality and relationships. The question, though, is not so much the importance as the improvement of communication. We know there are three major steps that James shares with us that can help improve our communication in the church. Let's take a look at each of these major steps. So as usual, if you'd like to follow along, there should be a sermon outline in your bulletin for your convenience. Fill in the blanks, take it home, consider what God is saying to you this week. Or if you prefer, you can follow along with a PowerPoint presentation. So, let's begin with the first major step that James suggests we can take to improve our communication in the church. First of all, we need to be quick to listen. First of all, we need to be quick to listen. We need to be good listeners. There was a professional golfer who played a few years ago named Tommy Bolt. Tommy Bolt, maybe you've heard of him. Well, one day Tommy was out playing a tournament where he had a caddy who was known for talking a lot. I guess you could call him a chatty caddy. So, Bolt turns to the caddy and says, I need to concentrate to do well in this tournament. 
So I, what I want you to do is just say, yes, Mr. Bolt, no, Mr. Bolt. Don't say anything else. Understand? I need to focus. So don't say anything else. Bolt started out well, but he got down a couple of holes. And he hit one of those drives where he got not only in the rough, but in the woods. Now, you golfers all know what that means. You hit it, and it goes in the woods, and it's always behind a tree or under a bush. So he hit one of those drives, and he went back and found it in the woods. And he bent down and looked toward the green. And in order to get the right shot, he had to hit it in ways that it would go under a limb, over the lake, hit the green, and roll down the hill. One of those impossible kinds of golf shots. So he said to his caddy, you know, I'm going to need a five iron to make this shot. The caddy said, no, Mr. Bolt. Yes, I'm going to need a five iron to hit this shot. No, Mr. Bolt. Well, give me that five iron. So Bolt grabs the five iron. No, Mr. Bolt. No, Mr. Bolt. He takes the five iron anyway and makes a beautiful shot. I mean, it's a magnificent shot. It goes under the limb, over the lake, hits the green, rolls down the hill. Two feet from the cup. Two feet from the cup. He goes up, puts it in, and turns to the caddy and says, you can talk now. You can talk now. The caddy looks at him and says, Mr. Bolt, that was not your ball. <laughs> now, listening's hard work. Most communication breaks down because we don't listen. But there are four things we can do to improve our listening. First, remember the ratio two ears to one mouth. Listen twice as much as we speak. Second, listen with your eyes as well as your ears. Communication is 93% nonverbal, 7% verbal. Third, listen for both facts and feelings. Listen to the head and the heart. Fourth, listen humbly. Don't get lost in your own emotions, expectations, and experiences. But be open to entering the world of others by listening. Being a good listener is 90% of effective communication. So as James says, we need to be quick to listen. And that brings us to the second major step that James suggests we take to improve our communication in the church. Second, we need to be slow to speak. Second, we need to be slow to speak. We need to be careful about how we use our words. Now, you all know the wisdom books. Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. They all talk about speaking. Proverbs 18 tells us, The power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who exercise it will eat of its fruit. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And those who exercise it will eat of its fruit. There's power in the words that you and I speak. There's power in the words that you and I say. When we speak, 
we build up or tear down. On average, Americans speak about 13,500 words a day. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. The question is, are we aware of the power of those words and their potential to bring life to those around us? If we were to take a random sampling of our words, how many of them help, heal, build up, and bless? I like to use the criteria of the three C's to help me think about what I say each day. Did I compliment someone? Recognizing something they've done or celebrating an accomplishment in their life? Did I comfort anyone? Realizing there are those around me who are hurting or struggling in some way. Did I speak a word of cheer, encouraging those who need to be lifted up? Folks, increasing those three C's exercises the power of our daily words to build up and bless. We need to be very careful about what we say and how we say it. We need to be slow to speak. We need to be slow to speak. And that brings us to the third major step that James suggests we can take to improve our communication in the church. Third, and finally, we need to be slow to get angry. We need to be slow to get angry. Anger is one of the most destructive forces to communication. Once you become angry, you stop listening. And once you stop listening, you stop communicating. Now, all of us get angry sometimes. Even Jesus got angry. Does that surprise you? We have a couple of well-documented instances where Jesus clearly lost his cool. He clearly lost his cool. Somebody lost their bottle. <laughs> but he lost his cool. And you know, I worry about the person who says that they never get angry. We can redirect anger in a positive way. We can contain anger so that there's no collateral damage from it. But anyone who tells you they never get angry has a serious problem that will someday manifest itself perhaps in a tragic way. Gilda Carl, C-A-R-L-E, Gilda Carl has developed a three-step frame it, claim it, tame it, anger management program. It works every time, she says. The first step to managing your anger, framing it, means taking a step back from the situation and collecting yourself. Count to ten, or walk around the block, or whatever you need to do, says Carl. Next, you've got to claim your anger, or admit to yourself that you're upset. You've got to discover what it is that's making you angry. Instead of focusing on being mad, you need to discover the issue that's making you upset. And once you discover what that issue is, then the next step is taming your anger. Taming your anger. Now here you have a decision to make. Is the problem something that isn't really that important? Or is it upsetting you to the point that your self-worth is being eroded? Now, if the matter is of great importance to you, then you need to take action. You need to confront the other person with whom you're angry. 
However, if you're unable to do that, there's still one more possibility. You can turn your anger over to God. You can turn your anger over to God. Colleen Jennings Fraioli. Colleen Jennings Fraioli, a few years ago in Decision Magazine, described her way of dealing with anger. For those times when she feels overwhelmed and needs to vent her anger, she's developed a habit that she learned from David's example in Psalm 55. David poured his heart out to God. If David could pour his heart out to God, Colleen says, she can too. She can too. Before she goes to sleep, she dumps all of her toxic waste, frustrations, irritations, disappointments, and hurts onto God. She may ramble, she says, and she often cries, but she gets it out. She gets it out. She says that she can almost hear God say, it's okay, I'm here with you, let it go. It's okay, I'm here with you, let it go. That's great advice. Turn your anger over to God. Well, if we'll practice these three major steps that James suggests, we'll not only improve our communication, we'll also enrich our spiritual life and relationships. So in conclusion, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. These three things can help improve our communication. These three steps can help improve our communication. Whoever has the ears to hear, let that one hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen.